0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وصيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today, then, we start the new chapter, بَاب مَا جَاءَ فِي التَّغْلِيدِ فِي مَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ عِنْدَ قَبْرِ رَجُلٍ صَالِحٍ فَكَيْفَ إِذَا عَبَدَهُ The chapter regarding what has been mentioned in terms of the severity of the affair regarding the one who worships Allah at the grave of a righteous man. So what therefore of the one who actually worships that righteous man and the deceased? To begin with, anybody want to read then? Any volunteers for the new chapter?
1: قال المصنف رحيب الله باب ما جاء من التغليد في من عبد الله إن قبر رجل صالح فكيف إذا عبد في الصحيح أن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن أم سلمة ذكرت لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كنيسة رأتها بأرض الحبشة وما فيها من الصور فقال أولئك إذا مات فيهم رجل الصالح أو العبد الصالح بنوا على قبره مشكلة فصابوا غرفه تلك الصور اولئك شرار الخلق ان الله فها جمع بين الفتنتين القبور وفتنه التماثيل ولكما عنها رضي وغضب عنها قالت لما نزل به الله صلى عليه وسلم وفي قيل ثوب على وجهه فاذا تم بها كشف فقال وهو كذلك لعن الله على اليهود والنصارى اتخذوا قبور أعمياء المساجد يحذرون ما صنعوا ولولا ذاك أبرز قبره غير عنه بخشية أن يتخذ مسجدا أخرج ولمسلم عن جندو رضي الله قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قبل أن يموت بخمس وهو يقول إني أبرع الله أن يكون لي منكم خير فإن الله قد اتخذني خليلا كما اتخذ إبراهيم خليلا ولو كنت متخذ من امتي خليلا لاتخذتم أبا بكر خليلا ألا وإن من كان قبلكم كانوا يتخذون قبور أنبياء مساجدة ألا فلا تتخذوا القبور مساجدة إني أنهاكم عن ذلك فقد نهى عنه في آخر حياته ثم إنه لعنى وهو في السياق من والصلاة عندها من ذلك إن لم يبنى مشهد وهو معنى قولها خشي أن يتخذ مشهد فإن الصعابة لم يقون ليبنوا حول قبره مشهد وكل موضع قصدت الصلاة فيه فقد اتخذ مشهد فالكل موضع يصل فيه يصمى مشهد كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم جعلت لي الأرض مشدا وطبورها ولأحمد بسند جيد عن ابن مسعود اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مرفوعا إن من شرار الناس من تدركهم الساعة وهم أحياء والذين يتخذون القبور مَسَاجِدَ
0: الله أبو حاتم في صحيحه سهيذن الشيخ الفوزان حفظه الله تعالى سيز قال المؤلف رحمه الله باب ما جاء في التغليظ في من عبد الله عند قبر رجال صالح أو رجل صالح فكيف إذا عبده لما ذكر المؤلف رحمه الله في هذا الباب أو في الباب الذي قبل هذا التحذير من الغلو في الصالحين وأنه سبب لكفر بني آدم وَتَرْكِهِمْ دِينَهُمْ ذَكَرَ فِي هَذَا الباب الغلو الْغُلُوءِ فِي قُبُورِهِمْ لِأَنَّهُ نوع من الغلو مِنَ الشيخ الفوزان Al-Sheikh Al-Fawzan highlights that this chapter is an extension of the previous one because in the previous chapter we had been discussing the topic of al the exaggeration and excessiveness that people fell into and they were destroyed as a consequence of it. So the Christians, they fell into ghulu <coughs> excessiveness and exaggeration and they were destroyed and the Jews, they fell into ghulu and so ghulu excessiveness in the religion or in people It is impermissible, and that's what we looked at in the previous chapter. This one now connects directly from that, in terms of the fact that it is impermissible to fall into ghulu at the graves of the deceased, the graves of those deceased individuals, because the title here says the severity of the affair if somebody worships Allah but at the grave of a righteous man the severity of that affair even though he's worshipping Allah but at the grave so what about the person who goes to the grave and actually worships the deceased in the grave that is a form of ghulu in the righteous, a form of exaggeration and excessiveness that the people go to the graves of the deceased and call upon them or do worship there. So here he mentions, فِي مَنْ عَبَدَ عِنْدَ قَبْرِ بدعاء الله عند القبر رجاء الإجابة يظن أن الدعاء في هذا المكان سبب للإجابة أو بالصلاة يظن أن الصلاة عند القبر سبب للإجابة أو الذبح عند القبر وإن كان الفاعل يعبد الله بهذه العبادات ولكنه فعلاها عند القبر رجاء أن تقبل وأن العبادة عند القبر لها مزية عن العبادة في مكان آخر فهذا مبني على ظن فاسد لأن القبور ليست مكانا للعبادة وأن العبادة عندها وإن كانت خالصة لله فَإِنَّهَا سَبَبٌ لِلْشِّرْكِ وَلِهَذَا حَذَّرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ عِنْدَ الْقُبُورِ سَجْدًا لِلْظَّرِيْعَةِ <coughs> The first part of the title talks about a person who goes to a grave and worships Allah does his actions of worship for Allah, whether it is dua that he goes there and does for Allah, whether it is prayer that he goes there and does, whether it is sacrificing that he does there, whatever act of worship he does at the grave of this righteous person, he's doing it for the sake of Allah. But he's doing it at that location, at the grave of the righteous person who has died, believing that there is a virtue to doing his worship at that location. He's doing his worship sincerely to Allah, but he believes there is a virtue for it to be done at the location of the grave of this righteous person. So that is something that would certainly open the door to shirk occurring thereafter. It would open the door to shirk occurring thereafter. He believes already right now that his dua or his sacrificing or any other form of worship he's doing has more likelihood of being accepted if he does it next to the grave of this righteous person, even though right now he may be doing it for Allah, but he believes there is a distinction to the location of the grave and doing the worship there. So eventually that would continue down a pathway where it opens up the door to end up Worshipping this individual or making dua to him So the Prophet sallallahu blocked that avenue Blocked the avenue of going and performing worship even if It is sincere to Allah at the graves of the deceased As for a person who goes to the grave and actually calls upon the dead and seeks aid and assistance from them and supplicates from them, then that is major shirk. And that's why it is mentioned from the Salaf that they used to forbid and dislike that anybody makes dua in the vicinity of the grave of the prophet sallallahu it's narrated how they did not allow that and they were uh, they disliked that anybody should make dua to allah sincerely but in the vicinity of the grave of the prophet sallallahu for fear that the common folk may see that and think that the reason why these people are making dua there, next to the grave of the messenger, it must be because this place has a virtue, and therefore your worship at that location is superior and more likely to be accepted, etc., etc. So they used to prevent that, and say, make dua anywhere here in this part of the mosque, that part of the mosque, why go down there next to the grave of the messenger and be making dua sincerely to Allah? But just from being in that location when the people see that, it could open up a door for them, believing that maybe next to the grave of the messenger there is more likelihood of the dua to be accepted. <laughs> لَكِنْ عِنْدَ الْقَبْرِ فَهَذَا وَسِيلَةَ إِلَى الشِّرْكِ وَطَرِيقِ إِلَى الشرك. فهو محرم. So, like we said, if a person is worshipping Allah, but he's doing it at the grave of this righteous person believing some virtue behind that, then that act is also impermissible for him to do. Impermissible for him to go and worship right next to the grave of a righteous person, even if he says, But I'm sincerely calling upon Allah only. And maybe he is, but his act of going to the grave and doing it there is impermissible. <laughs> وينادون الموتى المدد يا فلان المدد يا بدوي المدد يا علي يطلبون منهم المدد صراحة ويذبحون لهم وَيُنذِرُونَ لهم ويصرفون لهم أَنْوَاعًا من العبادة فهم داخلون في من عبد القبر. These days the Sheikh says there are many people who openly go and call upon the graves and worship the dead in the graves. And they go and seek help from the deceased, and they sacrifice and slaughter for the deceased. And they call upon them, O Badawi, uh, give us aid and help, O Ali, O such and such. And they call upon them blatantly and clearly. And that is of course without a doubt uh, in this impermissible and haram action. So now then we have a number of narrations in this chapter Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa explained this issue And warned against opening up any door to shirk from it The first narration Wa fi sahih in al-Bukhari and Muslim An Aisha radhiallahu anha Anna Umm Salama radhiallahu anha ذكرت لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كنيسة رأتها بأرض الحبشة وما فيها من الصور فقال أولئك إذا مات فيهم الرجل الصالح أو العبد الصالح بنوا على قبره مسجدا وصوروا فيه تلك الصور أُولَٰئِكَ شِرَارُ الْخَلْقِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ In this narration, Aisha radiallahu anha reports that Umm Salama, and her name was Hind, the daughter of Abu Umayyah, and she was Makhzumiyyah Qureshiyyah, Zawju Abi Salama, the wife of Abu Salama, Hajarat Hia wa Zawjuha Abu Salama al Hijratain, al Hijra ila al Habashah, wal Hijra ila al Medina. She, Um Salama, and her husband Abu Salama, they had made both of the migrations. The first Hijra to al Habashah. And then the second Hijrah to Medina. They had made both of those migrations. And then Abu Salama, he died in Medina. And after his death, رضي الله عنه تزوجها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فصارت من أمهات المؤمنين رضي الله عنها. So then, after the death of her husband Abu Salama. The Prophet sallallahu married her And so she became from amongst the mothers of the believers She mentioned Annaha dhakarat sallallahu Alaihi wa She mentioned to the Prophet sallallahu That she saw a church in the land of Habasha When when she and her husband Abu Salama had gone and made the first hijrah, they'd gone to Habasha, which was under the authority of, or the religion of Christianity. So when they went there, she says she saw a church out there, Al-Kanisa, هِيَ مَا عَبَدُ النَّصَارَةَ الَّذِي يَجْتَمِعُونَ فِيهِ يَوْمَ الْأَحَدْ لِعِبَادَتِهِمْ So the canisa, the church that is being spoken about, it is the churches that you know of, where the Christians, they gather for their so-called worship on the day of Sunday. أَمَّا السَّوْمَعَةِ فَهِيَ مَعَبَدْ خاص لِفَرْدْ مِنَ النصارى then you have something known as a soma, and that is like the maybe they call it the monastery where the monks they go, the monks they go and they stay there and they cut themselves off from the world and they sit there worshiping and in isolation. That is the soma. but as for the Kanisa, the general churches where the people they gather on Sundays. The Christians, they gather on Sundays. So, Umm Salama mentioned she saw one of these churches out in Habasha when they had made that first Hijrah there. And that she had seen all of the pictures that they used to have in that church. And all of the pictures that they used to have within that church Pictures of their saints This is saint such and such And saint such and such And saint such and such They have all of their different saints For different purposes And perhaps I mentioned that story one time When I went to buy a car from an individual And when I got there he was a European And he was a practicing Christian. Properly practicing Christian from one of the European countries. And uh, I purchased a car from him. He took all of his things out. Took all of his bags, papers out of the car. And when I was about to leave, there was one thing left. Like a badge. Left on the windscreen. He said, this, I'm going to leave it. He said, this badge thing, I'm going to leave it. Because this badge... It is saint such and such, and this particular saint, if you leave it on in the car, he had it stuck on, I think, in the windscreen. Uh, He said, if you leave this on, this particular saint will protect you from ever getting into an accident. Look at that from the Christians and look at the practice of some of the Muslims. The Christians putting the picture of this saint As a talisman Onto the windscreen in the car This saint Protects us from car crashes Protects us from anything happening to the car He said I'm gonna leave that there For you This saint I remember he said I understand you're of a different understanding I understand you're of a different belief But this saint This saint is good I'm gonna leave it He protects the car and protects you. And it was left and he departed and it was left for about 10 seconds (laughs) before I drove off. (laughs) So this is how they are. The Christians, they have all of their saints as well. And so she mentioned she saw the church and she saw all of the pictures within the church of all of their various saints that they have. Uh, and so the Prophet Sallallahu said to her When she mentioned this to the messenger This is the church I saw there They have the pictures inside The messenger said to her Ula'iki, This is Ula'ika But then you can say Ula'iki When referencing a female As is permissible in the grammar He said to her Ula'iki mata maata feehim Arrajul as salih Aw al salih this is doubt from the narrator which wording was mentioned. That it was either a righteous man or a righteous worshiper amongst them. When one of them dies amongst them, they would build on top of his grave one of their places of worship, like a shrine, a tomb, a temple. They would build it on top of the grave of their righteous person who had died from amongst them. Musalla, فَالْمُرَادَ بِالْمَسْجِدِ هنا, أَلْمُصَلَّ وَالْمُتَعَبّدِ يَعْنِي اتَّخَذُوا عَلَيْهِ كَنِيسَةٍ يَتَعَبّدُونَ فِيهَا فَسُمِّيَةً مَسْجِدا So they would build a place of worship on top of the grave of their righteous person who died. They would build some form of a place of worship, basically being like the church. They would build this shrine, this tomb and have a church established on top of the grave. And this was one of their saints and righteous people who has died and they have the grave there. And I've seen that with my own eyes in some of the other countries in the church In one of the churches, as you walk into that church at the doorway of it, uh, like a a, a proper shrine, tomb type of thing, big cemented type of tomb. And that there is one of their saints who died buried inside of their church and then the remainder of the church. So the messenger said that's what they do. When one of their righteous ones dies, one of their saints etc. dies, they then build the tomb and the place of worship, their church, etc., on top of the grave of that man. وَصَوَّرُوا فِيهِ تلك And they create the pictures of them, like uh, uh, on the windows, what do you call it? The mosaic thing on the windows. You've seen on the windows those, uh, like the mosaic thing, there's another name for it, but on the windows where they have the different color panes, and they have pictures of people and saints and things in the windows. So they have all of these pictures that they make. tilka يعني الصَّالِحِينَ يَنصُبُونَهَا فِي هَذَا الْمَكَانَ مِنْ بَابِ الْغُلُو فِي الصَّالِحِينَ وَتَخْلِيد So they would put up all of these pictures in the windows and other places and in their churches everywhere. They would put these pictures of their righteous people and their saints up and that was all under this banner of ghulu from them. That was all exaggeration and excessiveness from them. Somebody's died and they put their picture up in the church and into the windows and other affairs. That is from their ghulu and excessiveness in their righteous people and takhleed shakhsiyyatihim for those people to go on living amongst them. They want those people to go on living amongst them. To continue to see them and remember them. Exactly as we learned how shirk first began. The shaitan said to them, make the pictures so you can remember them. And so here that's exactly what they do. They have them there in their churches on their walls and ceilings filled with these types of pictures. As a means of remembrance And for those people to continue hmm. living amongst them وَاتِّخَاذُ And those uh, uh, figurines That they actually make like proper statues In churches as well فهذا مِن بَابْ تَعَظِيمِ الصَّالِحِينَ So that is from their uh, 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 Reverence for these righteous people their great degree of respect for their righteous people that fell into the boundaries of exaggeration, hulu, excessiveness. وَلَوْ كَانُوا مِنْ غَيْرِ الصَّالِحِينَ كَالْرُؤَسَاءَ وَالصَّلَاطِينَ وَالْمُلُوكَ وَهَذَا لَا يَجُوزُ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ لِأَنَّهُ وَسِيلَةِ إِلَى الشِّرْكِ وَلَا سِيَّمَا فِي مَوَاطِنِ الْعِبَادَةِ كَالْمَسَاجِدِ وَمَحَلَّاتِ so this type of thing is all completely haram in Islam, completely forbidden in Islam, that you build a mosque on top of the grave and you build the tomb and the shrine and a, a place of worship and prayer on top of that. This is not the way of Islam. It is impermissible to do so. ثُمَّ قَالَ sallallahu عِنْدَ Those people are the most evil of the creation with Allah. Uh, in In the view of Allah, they are the most evil of the creation. Therefore, the one who builds a mosque or a place of worship on top of a grave or makes their pictures and figures then this type of person is from the worst of creation. شرار فهو أشد الناس شرًا Those people are the most extreme in their evil from the people. The ones who commit that type of act, building places of worship on top of the graves. فدل على أن الذي يبني المساجد على القبور أَنَّهُ أَشَدُّ النَّاسِ شَرًّا بِاللَّهِ وَفِي الْحَدِيثِ الْآخَرِ الَّذِي سَيَأْتِي And then there's another hadith will come to it which highlights this same uh, meaning of the severe impermissibility of these acts. And the first people to start doing this, building mosques on top of graves, كما يقول شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية، as Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyah mentioned، they were the Shia، the Shia، the Fatimiyun، they were the first people who started building places of worship on top of the graves of the deceased. The Shia، ثم قلدهم من قلدهم من المنتسبين إلى السنة من الصوفية وغيرهم. الْمَسَاجِدِ عَلَى الْقُبُورِ فِي الْأَمْصَارِ Then the Sufis and others from the deviated individuals, they began to imitate this act until it became widespread amongst many of the people uh, in this practice. وَلَا تَزَالُ الْأُمَّةِ الْإِسْلَامِيَّةِ تُعَانِي مِن شَرِّ هَذِهِ الْقُبُورِ وَفِتْنَتِهَا And to this day, the Ummah, is facing the difficulties of these affairs, of this shirk that is widespread in many of the countries where they have shrines and tombs on top of graves. This is clear and open shirk to have tombs and shrines. And mosques on top of them, they are inside. This is clear, shirk and impermissible actions. Asbahat So the people who do that they believe this is from the practices of Islam to do so and they begin to speak evil against those who clarify to them that this is haram. They are so engrossed in that thinking, this is respect for our righteous, respect for those great imams who passed and we made the shrine. You try to explain to them and they think, you are the one in the wrong. Such has become the misguidance on the affair. ثُمَّ ذكرَ الشَّيْخُ عِبَارَةَ لِشَيْخِ الْإِسْلَامِ ابْنُ تَيْمِيَّةِ بَعْدَ الْحَدِيثِ وَهِيَ قَوْلُهُ فَهَاُولَىٰ يَعَنِي اليهود وَالنَّصَارَىٰ So then he mentions the statement of Ibn Taymiyah here, which is where he said فَهَاُولَٰئِ جَمَعُوا بَيْنَ فِتْنَتَيْنَ Those Christians when they built the tombs and shrines on top of the deceased saints etc., They fell into two great evils. One of them, Fitnatul Qubur, the great evil of building tombs and shrines and other affairs on top of the graves. And secondly, Fitnatul Tamathil, the pictures and the figurines and statues that they made as representations of those deceased ones. Fitnatul Qubur hiya al-ghulu. Fil Qubur. وَتَعْظِيمُ الْقُبُورِ حَتَّى تُتَّخَذَ مُتَعْبَدَاتِ The trial, the fitna, when it comes to the graves, is that they have such an exaggeration and such an extremism when it comes to the graves of those so-called righteous people, that they have such reverence for them, they began to worship them and they began to build all types of shrines and tombs on top of them. So that is a great trial that they fell into with the graves. And the second great trial is the tamathil, the pictures and the figures and the statues that they make of those deceased. And that is exactly what occurred uh, at the time of the people of Nuh a.s. وَوَقَعَ الشِّرْكُ فِي الْيَهُودِ بِسَبَبِ تِمْثَالِ العجل in the Jews when they made that figurino representation of the calf and then fell into its worship and the Christians they fell into shirk when they made that representation of the cross with the uh, apparent as they claim. Isa alayhi salam al-Masih being crucified. And then they wear that cross. And they put that cross everywhere. أَنْ في الشرك أو الشرك في هذه الأمة النبي And it is feared. <coughs> that shirk or this fitna may occur in this ummah. If the people go down that same line of pictures and figurines and statues of these scholars and the righteous people who passed away, then you're opening up the same door to that type of fitna. Then it mentions, وَلَهُمَا عَنْهَا قَالَتْ That she also said, لَمَّا نَزَلَ بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ That when the Prophet ﷺ was in his final moments and death was coming upon him طَفِقَ يَطْرَحُ خميصة, خَمِيصَةً لَهُ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ فَقَالَ وَهُوَ كَذَلِكَ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى اِتَّخَذُوا that when the Prophet ﷺ was in his final illness and it's mentioned he was in some pain and distress and that he had a cloth that he was putting on his face and then removing it from his face and putting it onto his face when he was in that final uh, stages and in those final stages when he was in that final uh, illness prior to his death, it is mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned that the curse of Allah is upon the Jews and the Christians. They took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. And the point of this, the Sheikh says, أَنَّهُ لَمَّا شَعَرَ بِالْمَوْتِ When the Prophet ﷺ realized that he was about to die, that he was in his final illness and death was close, خشي على أمته أن تفعل عند قبره ما فعل مَنْ قَبْلَهَا مِنَ الْأُمَمِ عِنْدَ قُبُورِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ والصالحين. When the messenger was in his final illness and he knew death was close, he feared that after his death, perhaps the Muslims or some from amongst them would fall into the same practices as some of the previous nations fell into. When they began building tombs and shrines and places of worship on top of the graves of their righteous, he feared that the Muslims or some from amongst them may end up down that same line. So, he did not leave any opportunity for that. فَلَمْ يَتْرُكِ تَذْهَبْ He did not allow the opportunity to pass him by. وَإِنَّمَا إِسْتَغَلَّهَا بِالنَّصِيحَةِ لِلْأُمَّةِ He didn't allow the opportunity to pass by when he was still alive yet and the opportunity was still there, close to death, he took it to clarify the most important of the affairs for the Muslims. فَإِذَا كَانَ النَّبِيُّ يُحَذِّرُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَهُوَ فِي هذه الْحَالَةِ فهذا دَلِيلٌ عَلَى أَنَّ التَّحْذِيرُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ أَمْرٌ متعين. So if the Prophet ﷺ in his final moments, in his final time upon this earth, knowing death is close to him. He is talking about this topic. This is what he views as important in those final moments, talking about the affairs of shirk, warning the ummah from building upon the graves of the deceased, from building places of worship and tombs, and from ghulu in the salihin. This is what the messenger was focused on in his final days, in his final weeks, in his final time. And so if that's what the messenger was focused upon when death was upon him, then it indicates how important it is to be focused on the affairs of Tawheed and warning against shirk. And that it is upon the du'at that they focus upon these affairs with a great deal of importance وترك 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 Even before you tell the people and uh, encourage them upon prayer and fasting and abandoning uh, interest and fornication And drinking of alcohol, all of those things are important. But before all of those things, you warn the people from shirk. Warn the people from these avenues that lead to shirk. Especially if that is something which is occurring within the ummah. And it is certainly something that is occurring within the ummah. فَالسُكُوتُ Ummah. If you remain silent upon those affairs, then you are betraying the Ummah. You're betraying your brothers and sisters, betraying the Muslims, that all of that type of shirk is occurring and you remain silent. أَنْ يُبْدَأَ So you must begin with that and correct and rectify the aqeedah of the people. As for a situation where the aqeedah of the people is corrupt And you are focused on other affairs of sins and other things Trying to get the people away from sinning and other affairs which is important But if their aqeedah prior to all of that is corrupt And you are not fixing that And you're telling people to stop this sin or that sin That is important, but the aqidah is more important to rectify first. The aqidah takes the priority in rectification prior to all of these other affairs. So then, the sheikh says, This is the core of the da'wah. (laughs) الَّذِي جَاءَتْ الرُّسُلُ مِنْ أَوَّلِهِمْ إِلَىٰ آخِرِهِمْ The messengers from the first of them and the last of them, they came to warn against shirk. اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا As they would say to their people, worship Allah alone and do not associate any partners with Him. And so, in those final moments, the Messenger was saying, لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ wa The curse of Allah be upon the Jews and the Christians. They took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. And the لَعْنَةُ of Allah, when we say the curse of Allah be upon such and such, The curse of Allah means that a person is expelled and removed and distanced from the mercy of Allah. That is a curse upon a person. If you are expelled from the mercy of Allah, removed and distanced from the mercy of Allah, then that is certainly a curse upon you to be in. So this is what the Messenger said about the Jews and the Christians. The Jews, al-Ummah al-Maghdubi 'alayhim, the one whom Allah's anger is upon, and the Christians, the Ummah who were misguided, al-Ummah oh, al <coughs> So the messenger said the curse be upon the Jews and the Christians who took the graves of their prophets as places of worship. يعني أمكنة للعبادة يصلون عندها ويدعون الله عندها ظنًا منهم أن العبادة عند القبور أفضل من العبادة في الأمكنة الأخرى. مع أن العبادة عند القبور لا تجوز لأنها وسيلة إلى So the Christians they believed That there was a virtue to having these saints of theirs Buried in their churches and places of worship And that it improved their likelihood of their worship being accepted etc Having this righteous person buried in the vicinity And that is of course shirk Qala Aisha, Aisha radiallahu anha then mentioned, You had the room, ma That the messenger, what he meant by this statement was a warning against what they had done. A anna levy hamala nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ala anya kula haadi hil kalima, fi haadi hil hala al Harijah. أَنَّهُ يُحَذِّرُ أُمَّتَهُ مِمَّا صَنَعَ الْيَهُودُ وَالنَّصَارَىٰ Aisha رضي الله عنها mentioned the reason why the Prophet said this when he was in his final illness and in that difficulty and pain. And he was saying this, why? In order to warn this ummah against what they had done, the Jews and the Christians, to warn this Ummah that they are not to fall into that pathway of building tombs and shrines and mosques on top of the graves of the deceased. فَالَّذِي حَمَلَهُ عَلَى هَذَا تَعْمَلْ هَذَا الْعَمَلْ فَلَا So it was in order to warn this Ummah not to take graves as places of worship above them and she mentioned was it not for that fear the fear that people would come and take that location the grave of the messenger as a place of worship was it not for that fear لَوْ ذَلِكَ يعني لولا الخوف مِنْ أَنْ يحصل عِنْدَ قَبْرِهِ صلى الله عليه حَصَلَ عِنْدَ قُبُورِ إِسْرَائِيلِ Was it not for the fear that the same may occur at the grave of the messenger the same as what happened to the prophets of Banu Israel previously where those nations they took the graves of their messengers as places of worship Was it not for that fear? Then she mentioned, He would have been buried somewhere visible and public that all of the Muslims could see his grave visible and in some public location. She said, was it not for this fear? Then perhaps that could have occurred that he could have been buried in some public and visible location. She's making a point, even though we know the Prophets and Messengers are buried in the place that they die. But she's making a point that there's no possibility of doing that for the fear of what the Muslims or some of the Muslims themselves may fall into. or That the Prophet feared or it was feared and the masjidah. That his grave would be taken as a mosque, that his grave would be taken as a place of worship. And so was it not for that fear or due to that fear? He was buried in the home of Aisha radiyallahu anha inside of the walls of that house under the roof of that house where nobody could see the grave where that grave was not out in some public location or even public graveyard inside of the house within the walls of the house under the roof of the house where no one could see yazal alhamdulillah fi wa فلا يزال في بيته صلى الله عليه وسلم محاطا بالجدران لا يراه احد صَيَانَةً لقبره ان يفعل عنده كما فعلت او فعلت اليهود والنصارى عند قبور انبيائهم and the sheikh says that continues to be the case up until today the grave of the messenger is not a public location you can go to it is within the walls and no visible sight is possible of the grave directly behind the walls under the ceiling and perhaps the people they will have a confusion as to how and why the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is in the mosque in the Prophet's mosque the reality is initially At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we know that Al-Masjid al-Nabawi and his house, there was just a wall between them, the office and this prayer hall. Al-Masjid al-Nabawi and his house. There was just a wall between his house and the mosque. When he was in I'tikaf, he would put his head through the window and Aisha would comb his hair. There was literally a wall between the mosque and his house. His house and then the mosque. So after he died, buried in his house, which was right next to the mosque, outside of it, of course. Outside of the mosque, next to it was his house, just the other side of the wall. That's where he was buried. Then afterwards, in the time of Abu Bakr and Umar, etc. Radiallahu Anhum, when the Ummah expanded, the Muslims expanded there was a need to expand al-Masjid al-Nabawi because al-Masjid al-Nabawi in the original state was very small. Now when you see the hotel area of Medina, that was Medina in those days. Around and about where the hotels are and all that area, they were the houses of the companions and that was Medina. So then as it expanded and expanded and expanded, the mosque needed to be expanded So they began expanding, going backwards, going to the side. They carried on expanding and expanding until it got to a stage where they were no longer able to expand this way. Because remember, like we said, where the courtyard is now and the hotels are, they were the houses of the people. That was Medina. You couldn't just keep knocking people's houses down and carry on that way. There was no room to continue. So it is mentioned that at one stage sometime after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu the ruler at that time wanted to expand to the easterly direction or to the direction where the grave of the Prophet Sallallahu was. It is mentioned in the books of history that the scholars at that time advised him not to do so and not to expand in that direction. They were not in agreement, many of the scholars at that time, to expand al-Masjid nabawi in that direction, which would mean going beyond the grave of the Prophet But due to the restrictions and what we mentioned, the houses, and that was Medina in those days, there was no other possibility except to go that way. Because that way was a bit emptier, from that side you have al-Baqiyah, the graveyard, etc. It wasn't the houses of people too much. So he decided to expand in that way. So when he expanded in that way, the grave was still not inserted into the mosque as the people insert graves into the mosque. Rather, the walls were built all around it. All three sides, the walls are built with the ceiling on top. Only the front, you can see that cage type of thing. Meaning it was fully covered off fully covered up the grave walls on all of the sides in order so that they could continue expanding somewhat in that other direction to make the mosque bigger, to have enough room for everybody. So that's what they ended up doing in the end, building the walls all the way around the grave. So there's no access, there's no visibility, there's no way to get into the grave and do anything. It's all blocked off. To the top with the ceiling, no access, and then continuing around it to expand the mosque on the other side. So the scholars have said to this day, what the Prophet made dua for is relevant. That his grave has not been taken as a place of worship. To this day, nobody can go there and start prostrating, doing worship, sacrificing nothing. The gods are there, everyone is there. It's impossible to go start praying there, doing sajda there, doing sacrificing there. You cannot do it and you cannot even get into the actual grave in the first place. So it is not something that a person should have doubt about that the grave of the messenger is in the mosque. It was not as such. There was the expansion that was required. The scholars still weren't even in agreement about it. But then it was done with the walls covering it up. And Ibn Qayyim mentions that in the Nuniya, I think. About how the dua of the messenger is still applicable and the walls, they were built all around to maintain his grave, separated, no access to it. And the mosque, it continued and people can pray. But even if you're now, if you walk into the mosque, a person walks into the mosque from behind, you would not know at all where the grave is. If you're new to that mosque and you walk in from behind, from the side, from the other side, you would not know where the grave is. From behind you come, it's just a big wall, you have no idea what's there. Only for those who know, know. Only when you get to the front, then you realize this is where you give the salam. So that is not a doubt that a person should have. That is not an evidence for anything. What the people of innovation and bid'ah and shirk they do by building graves into their mosques or mosques on top of their graves, that is haram and shirk and impermissible. And it's not an evidence to try and say but the messenger's grave is now within the boundaries of the mosque. That is not an excuse or an evidence whatsoever. We'll have to conclude on that for today then. Inshallah ta'ala. We'll resume next week at the same time, eight PM insha'Allah.